Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from the 10th to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to vinitaliplus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. We'll get started. So today, as you guys know, I see, let me just say hello to a few people. Paul, I hope to see you. Monica, Annie, Melissa, I see Andre. So I guess I guess we can kind of get started. Like, I, you're my boss. Is it okay if we start? Yes. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so early. as you know, Laika is the clubhouse manager. She's been doing a wonderful job chasing everybody down for for the... Uh, there's actually a lot of work uh, behind this. And you guys know that this is the Italian Wine Club on, on Clubhouse. And all of these episodes, we replayed on Italian Wine Podcast, where it gets a huge, huge amount of listens. So... We're very happy. And the Ambassador's Corner is very popular. Um, this is where our, our Italian wine ambassadors get to choose their kind of quote-unquote favorite wine producer and do kind of a deep dive into whatever they think would be appropriate. So let, let me just reintroduce to you our co-mod today. Her name is Tomasella Perniciaro, and she has this company called Good Wine Habit. Ciao, Tomasella. Ciao, Stevie. Hello. Is it Tomasella? How do you pr- pronounce it? I'm always... Tomasella. Kind of, Tomasella. So she yeah. is Italian, but she lives where? In Sweden. Gothenburg. Yes. What's the weather like over there? Uh, well, actually, we have been very lucky because it's quite sunny uh, at the moment uh, and quite warm. Are you coming to Venetoli? No, I'm not. Unfortunately, not this year. I have okay. uh, lots of work during this, those days. Yes. Yeah, so, so I know you want, you're an APP for, of course, the WSET. Exactly. Um, I, and I know you grade like some um, mark papers because some of our students who are in the diploma program, they have you as okay. their, their um, mentor. So uh, you're quite... Good. You're quite famous being for being harsh. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, I think. Yes. <laughs> of course, uh, Tomasella, uh, I've met Tomasella. We've met Tomasella because she did the VIA program. W- when did you do the VIA program? If I'm not wrong, it was 2017. Right. You did the 17 program. And yeah. and since since then, what have you been doing? You're, I'm, it's kind of your full-time job, right? The APP. Yes, exactly. So uh, I created the uh, the APP in uh, two, 2017. Uh, so I've been teaching WSET courses here in Sweden from level one to level three. 
and uh, uh, and I also teach the uh, diploma online uh, with London with the flagship school. But alongside the WSET education, as I'm Benita Litano Wine Ambassador for Sweden, I also organize uh, master classes tastings uh, here in Gothenburg, especially uh, especially with a with a well focused on Italian wines. So I'm also Valpolicella specialist for the Swedish market, uh, entitled by the Consortium Vini Valpolicella to promote uh, a little bit more the Valpolicella wines uh, here in uh, in Sweden. So listen, uh, Tomas Villa, what about, what about the COVID situation? I know, of course, the Swedes, they were very reluctant to get the, uh, the vaccinations and they were very free from the get-go. What is the current situation now? Well, the current situation is basically, I think it's a, a little bit better than Italy uh, in terms of cases. So we, I mean, COVID is spread around, uh, of course, uh, but it's not, uh, it's nothing, nothing serious anymore. So many people have it, uh, like, uh, say, with mild symptoms uh, overall. So hospitals are in a good uh, uh, situation overall as well. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's also true that they don't test uh, anymore. So we don't know the exact numbers of cases we have. Uh, But Swedish people have always been uh, quite uh, free compared to other countries in, uh, uh, in Europe, for example. Right. A great advocate for, you know, the herd community um, philosophy, right? Yeah. Uh, They never said it uh, clearly. uh, And but uh, really, they allowed the virus to move around a little bit more, uh, which maybe this was good because uh, now the situation is okay. uh, But we had uh, hard times here as well. Uh, What we didn't have was lockdown at all. Uh, this is not in the Swedish constitution. It's not possible to force people to stay at home, close at home. And um, we didn't wear masks. I mean, like, everything was left on uh, each person's responsibility. So if you wanted to wear a mask, you could do that. Otherwise, it was your choice not to wear it. You needed to, for example, to keep distance from people. Uh, there were some basic rules uh, that uh, could help uh, with uh, controlling somehow the, the spreading of the virus. Yeah, so I suppose uh, that meant then the, probably the, the wine consumption, I mean, the wine business was mm-hmm. not as effective negatively, right? No, not that much. I mean, um, for example, wine bars, restaurants are never closed. They just have some... Uh, um, reduced the time for opening. Uh, so instead of closing at midnight, uh, they were able to stay open until like 8 p.m. when the COVID situation was really, really, uh, you know, serious. But apart from that, uh, I mean, you could have, could go even to a wine tasting. There were measures inside the restaurants. Uh, so in terms of the location of tables, for example, a uh, number of people admitted, but there was no green pass, no uh, no closing of these uh, uh, public spaces at all. Right, right. Okay, yeah, that was just, uh, of course, I haven't seen Tomasella in a very long time, I pre- before the mm-hmm. pandemic, I believe. Yes. So that was just a quick catch up. And now back to the show. So Tomasella, tell us why you, um, you've chosen Mariolina 
Bacellieri as your producer to be called on today? Uh, yeah, well, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on uh, the Ambassador's Corner and uh, giving me the chance of interviewing uh, uh, the Azienda Bacellieri. There is more than one reason why I chose uh, uh, the Azienda Bacellieri. First of all, I believe uh, in the quality potential of wines from Calabria, uh, not only because I'm from Calabria originally, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I think that uh, this has been a region often forgotten in the wine world map. Uh, so my first thought was to shed a light on this region. Uh, we probably know about uh, the most recognized Chiro denomination, but there are many other uh, denominations uh, in the region uh, that deserve attention. So... Bianco, which is the village where the Azienda Bacellieri is located, is one of these. Uh, it's a place of very old uh, winemaking traditions since the Greeks' time, uh, and it has a rich enological and cultural heritage, especially found in the sweet passito wines made from local grapes like Greco di Bianco uh, and Mantonico. Uh, secondly, the Azienda Bacellieri is one of the top-notch references in the area, in my opinion. So I think that their wines are the expression of Bianco's terroir and uh, good examples of the big quality potential Calabrian wines can have. Okay, great. So what are the particular learning objectives from this call that we should expect from you today? Well, I think that uh, listening to this interview um, will uh, probably push our listeners to find out more about Calabrian wines, uh, also to dive deeper into the diversity of grapes and styles that go beyond Chiro. Uh, we will listen to a story of uh, passion, of strength, of love, for a region that has been unknown for so many years, uh, and that now, thanks to uh, mindful producers like Mariolina, is starting to show the world that it deserves a special praise, place uh, in, the, in the Italian wine map. Okay, great. Uh, before, just before uh, I hand over to you the mic, I wanted to remind everyone, uh, we've started a new uh, kind of YouTube channel, it's called Mama Jumbo Shrimp, and We've just dropped the three-part series of our Sicilian um, Gita Scolastica because I, I see Paul and Fanny in the audience. Um, they came with us. I would say they're, they're a bit imperfect, but I, I guess, you know, it's better than nothing. So I hope you, can, you guys can see what we've done. Uh, it was intense three days, and then they stayed on for the tastings, but um, just so that you can have a look at what we did in one of our favorite regions, which is Etna. So over to you, Tomazella. Thank you so much, Stevie. Okay, so uh, just to give a few words to introduce uh, Mariolina Bacellieri. Uh, she was born in Reggio Calabria in 1962, uh, but she left Calabria in 1980 to move to Florence, Tuscany, uh, where she worked and lived until the 2009 uh, that year, she decided to move back to Calabria to take care of her family's winemaking business and properties, focusing on Calabrian native grapes and other cultivars such as uh, olive trees, bergamot and wheat. Her working 
philosophy is to recover the old vineyards planted uh, with ancient varieties, uh, like, for example, Mantonico, Greco Bianco, Guardavalle, to produce wines that can really express the uniqueness of the local terroir. Her very first bottle uh, with her name on it was Greco di Bianco Doc, 2006. And since then, it has been a wine success with many national and international awards received for her wines. We will listen about these directly from Mariolina and her daughter, Beatrice, who will join us in this uh, interview. So welcome, Mariolina and Beatrice. I'm so happy to have you. Welcome. Thank you very much to having thought of me and my daughter, Beatrice. Hi. Hello, hello. Thank you for so having us. So how are us. you? We're Fine. good, we're good, thank you. Good. Fine, thank you. Perfect. So um, let's kick off the interview with the first question. Um, can you give us a brief introduction about the Azienda Bacellieri, uh, explaining a little bit more about when and how it all began? Um, yes, um, the history of the company, as you say, in my name, uh, with my name on label, uh, was born in uh, 2006 with my first harvest of Greco Bianco di Bianco. Uh, the cultivated lands, which uh, include, in addition to vineyards, also oranges, bergamots, lemon, uh, olive trees, have been um, owned for centuries, but really the passion for wine and winemaking has always been a family thing. My father has always involved me in running the business. Oh, that's great. So, uh, for example, how many actors do you have, just to give an idea to our listeners of the property? We have 15 hectares that okay. we um, cultivated um, uh, directly because the, there are much more that they have um, our um, other persons the, that are not the, um, are our properties but the hectares that we uh, cultivated directly are 15 of okay, vineyard Vineyard, yes. In, in total, the, the company has uh, 100 hectares. Okay, so just before talking a little bit more about the grapes you, um, you, you plant and uh, uh, the wines you produced, um, can you tell us uh, what inspired you to come back to Calabria after many years spent in Tuscany and to jump into the wine world? Because I guess you were working in another uh, field, in another business, and it was not wine. Yes, um, I never really left. Um, yes, I did move away from Calabria to Florence when I was 18, uh, many, many years ago. But several times I, um, a year I returned to native land, I traveled back and forth, um, and uh, one day in 2009, uh, I just realized that it was time for me to actually preserve our family's heritage. Uh, so I moved back for good. Um, four years, there was uh, talk of um, 
an, uh, unobtainable wine. And uh, thus is the first bottling of Greco di Bianco Passito was born. Okay, so uh, was an easy start in this world? I mean, do, did you have any precise uh, vision of what to do, how to do it, uh, uh, even uh, considering the eventual challenges that you would have overcome? So, hi, it's me, it's Patricia. Hi, um, hello. Um, my mother, you know, when she started, she began quite naively. She really, it was more about passion and the joy of taking over and being finally home. And she really went by the by, you know, learning as you go. And um, she was lucky enough uh, to have great professionals that helped her to get uh, get ahead of the business, how to do it, how it works, uh, and mixing. So what it was traditional about winemaking and uh, Bianco and Calabria and uh, the new modern techniques that are really needed for making wine today. So she she didn't really have a vision. She was more enthusiastic about it. I remember I was still in Florence and she would call me and explain everything very happily. And so maybe now it's more serious. Now it's definitely professional. And back then it was more about joy, really. Okay, that's great. I think that uh, this is what uh, you need when you start uh, a business like this. Joy and uh, and passion, uh, possibly. Um, so I guess you also uh, decided, uh, for example, not to choose uh, uh, to work with the international varieties, but just to focus on uh, local grapes and native grapes. Is it correct? Yes, yes, Tomasella. In fact, because I, I think um, everybody has a um, mission and uh, as I doesn't know because, but I, I in, in, in me, there was something that uh, tell me, go away, go away. You have to preserve. You have to preserve what your father and before your father, your grandfather, your grand grandfather before they left to me. And I have um, an... It was a moral obligation. <laughs> yes. Uh, about this, about my, my land, about my Calabria. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's a passion, it's a love, it's, it's a family. The, the, the company is a family. It's a, it's a family business. And yes. uh, yeah, um, that's good. I mean, uh, I think that that was a. Uh, uh, good to have this voice, uh, you know, inside of you saying to uh, go on with the tradition and uh, not to lose uh, uh, the heritage and the culture uh, as well. Um, so now um, let's talk about the terroir. Uh, can you tell us what makes your site, Bianco, in uh, the province of Reggio Calabria, so special and so perfect for viticulture? I'd say uh, it's um, Bianco is a, a tiny, happy island, uh, thanks to peculiar microclimate. 
The weather is warm and windy, which means the sea breeze reached the grapes. Uh, the earth is actually made with uh, clay, um, rich of, in minerals. Um, there are also lots of natural herbs, which we don't remove from uh, vineyard. Um, for example, we don't, do not practice chemical weeding. For example, um, the, uh, herbs uh, are licorice that you can find in every our wines. Um, uh, herbal, they um, add flower uh, to the wine and uh, the, 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 uh, they increase uh, the, the complexity. Uh, the, 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 the company uh, since uh, 1998 uh, was organic farm uh, and I, mm, I, I continued uh, what my father started so, so many years ago and I think that it's important uh, to give to um, person, client, uh, a wine, uh, sano, uh, healthy wine, a healthy wine, uh, not only a, a good wine, but a healthy wine may, made with grapes uh, that we produce. We don't buy uh, grapes. We have the, our grapes. And uh, Bianco is, uh, um, I, I think, uh, we are lucky. We are lucky uh, to, to live in Bianco. Yeah, so uh, I guess that, uh, yeah, the, there is like a very mild uh, Mediterranean climate as well. Do you have altitude in Bianco or is it just a little bit more plain? Plain, plain. plain. So but you have plain, the sea. But, but, but not too much. Okay, but it's very close to the sea, the Ionian yes, Sea. Yes, on the yes, 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 a few meters, few meters. Okay, great. So, yeah, uh, one of my questions was uh, what uh, your approach to viticulture is, but you already answered. So it's organic uh, viticulture mainly, so you don't spread any chemicals uh, in no, the fields. No, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and I think that that is uh, uh, absolutely important. If you want to make good wines, you need to have uh, very good grapes. So if you have good ingredients, so you can make uh, very good, at least, very good wines. Um, okay, so um, going back to the terroir, uh, Bianco and Calabria in general are still not so well known abroad. Uh, what do you think should be done to increase the visibility of this region? Uh, I believe um, that uh, regional, local and national administrations should do more. Only recently, in the last year, years, they have finally grasped the importance of all different realities and heritage of Calabria. The importance of South safeguarding the ampelographic richness and um, that there is uh, also a market for a small producers who believe in what they do and feel guardians of a natural heritage. Cultural diversity 
be it food or, or vineyards uh, is an asset. Mm-hmm. Right. So we can say that even, I mean, for example, tourism and uh, uh, enology, viticulture in general can go by hands somehow. So yes, um, yes. if people come and try your wine and visit your area, uh, possibly they, they would be interesting in uh, uh, finding out more about the region and other, even other denominations in, uh, in the region. Yes, definitely. There's so there's such a variety of wines and grapes and landscapes, traditions, even languages. So one one small site that can be maybe Bianco or I don't know the Costa Viola should lead to visiting and getting to know the other realities that make Calabria. So, yes, and okay. of course, there's also the archaeological the, the archaeological right. side of all of this. I mean, th- this was Magna Grecia, so um, having thousands of tourists in Florence to visit the museums, because we've been there, and not having so many tourists visiting the archaeological sites here in Calabria and understanding the link between the archaeology, history, and wine or food, or food really, it's something should be done, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's great. I mean, um, you have vineyards that can be considered even a cultural heritage. Uh, can you tell us how old uh, they are, and uh, what do you do to take care of them? Uh, yes, um, all my vineyards can be considered a cultural heritage. Um, the younger ones, <coughs> sorry, uh, the younger one, ones have at least 40 years, the oldest about 100. Wow. Um, um, some and sapling a uh, sapling vineyards uh, one ungrafted uh, in any case uh, uh, wine in Calabria was produced even before the Greek arrived hundreds of uh, or there are um, hundreds of rock millstones palmetti rupestri I don't mm-hmm. know is yes. correct millstones um, yes very many in the area around Bianco, uh, and they are archaeological evidence of this. Uh, in any case, I am personally grateful to Greeks <laughs> for bringing us presumably, presumably the seeds. I, 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 uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they uh, arrived with vine. Um, because the Greek um, bringing us uh, Greek and Mantonic grapes varieties. Uh, we tend to them with, with a mix of traditional knowledge and modern technique, uh, techniques, uh, machinery, whatever possible. So Yeah. So I, I, I read that you have, uh, also uh, ask for a study about the Mantonico grape you have. Is it correct? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I'm, in, in, in any case, um, 
there are many, many, many history about this. But I, I would just like briefly to mention uh, a published study of the Dottoressa Manna Crespan, uh, responsable del CREA di Conegliano Veneto, uh, which shows that the pedigree of main southern vines, for example, Catarato or Zibibo, and beyond, for example, Sangiovese or Trebbiano, um, we find Mantonicos as a second parent. Uh, this study is, uh, has been published on uh, American Journal of Enology uh, in 2017. Um, and this is a study very important um, because they, they, they are um, um, an heritage more, much more important for many of um, vines, or, or, um, Italian vines, not, not only southern uh, vines. Okay. Yeah. So Mantonico is also, uh, yeah, it can be yes. from this study, they said that Mantonico grape is uh, the, let's say, the parent uh, uh, variety of many, many uh, other grapes. Yes, uh, yes. So uh, is it possible for visitors to have a look at your old vineyards, I guess? So when they visit your winery, uh, you organize a tour of these uh, old vines? Yes, sure. Um, we love it because um, people love to, to to see the vineyards, to speak with us, and and uh, and um, Even the, having the possibility of seeing the vines in person, like the real for real, you know. Yes. So they they get to understand how it's done, how it's tended to, and really seeing the differences between uh, every and each grape, because it's not, obviously, the Greco grape doesn't look like the Mantonico grape, and these grapes doesn't don't look like the Nerello grape. So they understand, they get a better understanding of what we do and what we are trying to, to tell, what's our message and our mission as a company. So it's, uh, it's very nice having people. Uh, yesterday we had a, a group of people really, and it was, it, it, I think it's beautiful. It's a, a human exchange and a way of, um, spreading really spreading the message really and and yeah it's not very common either to visit a very very old vineyards so uh, the vines the very old vines are beautiful on their own just to you know uh, to be seen uh, so this is a plus you have uh, and uh, uh, I think that yes for uh, visitors it's absolutely a point of interest Yes, okay. yes, we don't have nothing to hide. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes. Um, so we talked about your approach to viticulture. Uh, what is your approach in the winery? So how do you produce your wines? Do you use like a natural approach uh, to, to vinification? Uh, how do you do? What do you do to produce your, your wines? Well, it's a mixture of techniques, really. We try to go with 
traditional methodology as far as possible. Um, but as of recently, especially the last uh, 10 years, we had to take into account the climate change because it, it, it is a problem. It is a problem. Mm-hmm. And you, you really need to watch, watch out what's happening and the weather and, and everything. So we end pick. Mm-hmm. Ar- the harvest doesn't happen with machinery uh, at all. This, this will, will absolutely destroy the vineyards. Okay. So there's the, maybe the first steps are more delicate, very, uh, as I said, traditional. And then, of course, uh, there's uh, everything that, that there's the machinery and uh, and everything that's needed to make wine also in a more hygienic way than it used to be uh, uh, you know at the beginning of yep. the last century you can't just squeeze the grapes with your feet anymore <laughs> so, <laughs> yes and then every wine has uh, its technique for making it so when it comes to passito greco and mantonico you there's a set of days where you can pick the grapes and then they lay under the sun for seven to ten days, and then you press the grapes, which have become raisins mm-hmm. at that point. And then from then you proceed with uh, the machinery and you make the wine. When it comes to red wine, of course, you uh, press the grapes and you leave the liquid, because it's still not wine, it's almost there, mm-hmm. to on, uh, on the press um, peels. So that, that you know, there's, there's different techniques. So you can just go with one 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 way fits all, you know. And do, there's, there's do you... temperatures, and, okay. uh, which better enhances the aroma and scents. And so you know, and that's different. And that this allows us to uh, experiment a little bit. So we we can even create different wines. Mm-hmm. with an unexpected twist so but you're gonna talk about yeah. this later so later I'm on not, yes gonna, i'm not spoiling anything no 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 do you use uh, do you have oak do you use oak for aging for example for specific yes. uh, yes, size yes, of yes. wines i guess okay so stainless steel mainly for fermentation and then uh, eventual aging in uh, in oak Yes, yes, it's okay. Is. And is it uh, like old oak, new oak? Uh, what kind of um, oak is it? Secondo passaggio. Okay, second use. Yes. Second use oak. Okay, great. Uh, so I guess that uh, you probably use old uh, oak just to preserve the varietal expression a little bit more. Yes. Um, so, yeah, to, to, to give a, a more... I mean, a purer idea of what the grapes uh, can deliver in the glass. Yes, yes. Um, oh. and, and it's important for, for us that uh, uh, grapes can uh, explain uh, himself mm-hmm. uh, without... Uh, um, um, I think nothing. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, that's great. Um, so coming to the wines now, we, we have talked about uh, how you produce the wines, but uh, we would like to know what styles of wine uh, you produce. Okay. 
So if you can give us an idea of the range of products you have. Yes, we make the two passito wine, Greco di Bianco and Mantonico, uh, two white wine, Sicagno and Dromos, two red wine, Pirocci and Dromos, Arose wine, Violet, and an orange wine, uh, Dromos. Okay, so what are the grapes uh, uh, used to produce these, uh, these wines? Uh, Greco di Bianco is uh, uh, 100%, uh, 100%. 100% um, uh, Greco Bianco di Bianco, mm-hmm. Mantonico 100% Mantonico Bianco, uh, Sicagno is 100% Greco Bianco di Bianco, early harvest, uh, Dromos Bianco is... Uh, 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 Greco uh, di Bianco uh, and uh, Guardavalle, uh, 50% uh, each other. Um, red wine Pirocci is uh, 100% uh, Nerello. Uh, Dromos is um, Gagliopo and Nerello, uh, 50% uh, each. Rosé wine is uh, uh, also... Uh, Gagliopo e Nerello, 50%, and uh, the orange wine uh, is 50%, Greco Bianco di Bianco and Mantonico Bianco. Okay, so from what we can uh, uh, see, it's uh, basically native grapes, uh, and some of them are really local. You can find them only in specific areas of Calabria, like, for example, the Guardavalle is not so common to find the plantings of the Guardavalle, uh, but you have grapes uh, of Guardavalle to use, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, the Nerello uh, and the Gagliop, of course. So this is the, the most famous, uh, uh, the star grape of Calabria, we can say. Um, so is there any of these wines that you think most represents your winery, the Azienda Barcellieri? I think uh, uh, is mm, Greco di Bianco Passito, uh, but uh, the last years we have uh, uh, many uh, satisfaction uh, about mm-hmm. Pirocci uh, and Sicagno also, uh, the red wine and the white wine, uh, Monovitigno with a <laughs> Or only one variety of grapes, um, and uh, also uh, the last years Mantonico Passito because uh, uh, they seems that was uh, um, less famous than uh, Greco di Bianco. Uh, indeed, is very, very special, and all over the world they love uh, also Mantonico. I think most famous is Greco di Bianco Passito. I, I, I don't know sincerely what is the 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 the, the wine that rep- best represents uh, us. Yeah. Uh, well, you are really one of the very few producers treasuring the tradition of making uh, historic sweet passitos uh, from Greco and Mantonico grapes. And I have to admit uh, that when I 
tried your mantonico. I tried both the Greco and the mantonico, but uh, the mantonico, when I tried it, I felt like in heaven. It was a wow, a wow experience. <laughs> uh, so um, they are made in a very similar way, but they are different than in the glass. So can you briefly explain to us what are these differences and yeah, how you, can you describe them to invite our listeners even to, to try them? The difference, uh, differences are in the vine, really. Uh, the vines uh, uh, leaves are different. Greco berries are oval shaped, thin peel. Um, Mantonico are, are rounder, more resistant peel. The grapes uh, um, look uh, and taste different. Uh, their identity, if you will, uh, age with the wine and be, become uh, become. Uh, ever more evident. Uh, I will describe Greco as warm and silken. Mantonico is strong and persistent, deep. Uh, Greco and, and Mantonico represent thousands of years of history. They are unique, and I wouldn't define them as uh, sweet. They are more like meditation wine. Mm-hmm. They can be paired with uh, dessert or cheese, but there's so much more to them. They create a special, special warm atmosphere. Um, I, I say in Italian, if you are alone, they keep you company. If you are um, with friends, they make you happy. Uh, <laughs> something I think everybody can uh, find um, um, best um, 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 re- ragione, um, reason to 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 bere. The reason to drink. To drink uh, uh, the best uh, reason to to drink them uh, or Depend- or the other uh, because um, there are very, there are something mythological in 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 this and only when you dr- do drink you understand. It seems like first in the Greek temples uh, foretold the future, uh, future, future. F- future drinking mantonico. In fact, uh, in um, Greek language, mantonico means manteteikos, means uh, um, uh, divinatory. Um, you understand? I don't know if. Yes, I'm, I mean, uh, when, um, whenever they. Sorry drank... for my English. No, no, but that's I, good. That's great. I would like to uh, explain me uh, uh, as usually do in Italian because I, I, <laughs> I am I, I I would like to have many words to explain, and so no, Greco, uh, Greco uh, uh, in the, the uh, ancient test, uh, for example, Herodotus. Um, they uh, they say wine to make love or or, or to have more courage, courage uh, in war. Um, mm-hmm. Greek, um, Greco and Mantonico are uh, um, mito, a mito for me. Yeah. So if Greco 
uh, gives you the courage to go into uh, war, uh, yeah, yes. the Mantonico can uh, uh, make you able to speak with God because uh, yes. as the yes. ancient uh, yes. uh, Greeks uh, uh, did when they tried to Many, many ancient texts, uh, also in Pompeii, speaking with God. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. Um, yeah, what I found uh, um, is that the Greco in general is quite floral, for example, is a little bit more delicate than the Mantonico. As you said, Mantonico is quite uh, strong, austere. It has these uh, nuttiness, uh, these uh, notes of... Uh, uh, even uh, tobacco, chestnut, uh, uh, that uh, makes it absolutely wonderful and uh, very, very interesting to try. I think that there's no other wine, uh, Pasito wine like that. So I absolutely encourage uh, our listeners to search for your Mantonico and to try it because it's a real experience. Okay, that's great. Um what are the main markets where you export your wines, by the way? Because our listeners are based uh, on, in different uh, areas of the world, not uh, only in Italy. Uh, so what are the main markets where you sell uh, at your wines? At the moment, uh, um, we are in Australia, in Sweden, you know. Yes. <laughs> in, uh, in, Canada, in, in Canada, in Quebec. Okay. Uh, um, market very very important for us yeah so you're having also a good uh, success there I mean customers uh, uh, like your wines and um, I, I can speak about Sweden because I know that uh, they are selling very good people like it people love it especially uh, when uh, uh, they try it in a wine tasting uh, I can see sometimes so when I uh, I include your wines, uh, their reaction, they're very, very surprised. So, um, as I said, look for them and try them. It's the only way to know uh, uh, what they are able to, uh, to express uh, in the glass. Um, okay, uh, you mentioned before that you made among your styles of wines, uh, there is one that is uh, a new coming, which is uh, uh, the orange wine, an orange wine. Uh, so can you tell us what pushed you to produce such a style? Because it is not the traditional style in Calabria. So how the wine, how is the wine made? And uh, yeah, what are the reasons why you decided to produce an orange wine? Uh, yes, it's true. It was originally made for the Canadian market. It is not traditional at all. But since... We got um, it right with Sicagno, using the Greco grapes uh, to make a dry and white instead of acid wine. We said, why not? Why not try and give an, uh, an unexpected twist to tradition? It's made like a Calabrian farmer would have, have made, made this red wine. Mm. But we actually use two white grapes and treat them like we do with the, the red grapes, like the red, red wine pirogi with uh, um, maturation on the skins. Uh, in, so skin contact, yes. Yes, yes, for 
uh, hour, uh, uh, hours, and and then uh, born the orange wine, and uh, uh, actually is um, my preferite. I I can't explain. I I haven't um, so so much expect uh, expectative, uh, but uh, there have been very very a surprise for me and. Uh, um, I, I, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, so it's a blend of Greco and Mantonico, you said. Yes, yes. Okay, mm, so yes. macerated on skins uh, yes. for a few hours. So they get... It gets, Five, eight yeah. hours. Okay, and then is it aged in oak as well, or is no. it just stainless steel? No, 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 just the steel. Okay, okay. So, um, and are you already selling it, or is it just a, a, a new release? It's, it's a new release, which mm-hmm. was made for Canada. In so Canada. in Canada, it began selling before Italy, really. Okay. And, but now, yes, it's selling in Italy, too, and it's, it's, it's going very well, really. People appreciate it, understood that it was different and they really like it. So it's, it's going great. Okay, perfect. That's good to, to hear. Um, so the last questions, do you have any more new projects coming up in the near future? Um, um, really, um, I, I don't know, but because of the means um, happens, <laughs> there is no... Um, uh, one I've been toying with years, uh, the popular sparkling wine, uh, the market demands it. But um, to be honest, personally, I'm not a fan of sparkling wine. So kind <laughs> of keeps uh, being postponed. But uh, I don't know. Maybe may, may uh, sparkling wine. <laughs> I don't know, Beatrice. What do, what do you think about it's up to you i mean it's uh, i don't make the decision about this but you never know <laughs> it might happen it might happen yes exactly well that's great this was our uh, last uh, question uh, so thank you thank you so much mariolina and beatrice for answering all these questions uh, it was a real pleasure for me uh, to uh, interview you um, i hope our audience now will book a trip to Calabria, to Bianco, and visit your uh, winery and have the chance of trying the wines uh, with you uh, and listen to your uh, story. Um, So I will give the room back to Stevie now. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you. So, Mariolina, um, I have a question, something more practical. How do you get to your winery, like logistically? I mean, obviously, we'll have to um, take a plane. What What is the nearest airport? How to get to our winery? Uh, yes. yes. There are several airports, thankfully, in Calabria oh. so far. It, it, they don't shut down one of these because politicians always do stupid stuff. But there's an airport in uh, Reggio Calabria and, okay. uh, and one in La Mezia. Especially La Mezia is uh, very well served by Ryanair and companies such as this. So 
they the, the the trip is not is not expensive really you can get here with a few euros and and, and then and from the, 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 that would be for the europeans but and then you get to la Mezia, and then how how far is it from la Mezia, the airport um one hour and a half of driving really and then it's, it's really about the car, yes. Yes, yeah, so you would have to rent, rent a car from the airport. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Okay. And what about coming from, you know, from America? Because Paul Bologna wrote on the chat, like, he said, the tourism billboards of Calabria that I see at the airport makes me want to visit. So, like, you know, if we were to come, you know, um, to Calabria, you know, at uh, just a group of us. How would we get that from from let's say from America internationally from Rome, I suppose, right? Flight from Rome or Milan. From Rome or Milan, and then there are flights from both Rome and Milan. So you need to reach one of these two cities, and then it's down to La Mezia. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm not sure, but they were discussing this. Maybe there's a way of reaching. From Catania, which is in Sicily. Oh, but how far I, is it? I, I, how far is it from Catania? Uh, Catania is a couple of hours, really, because you have to reach then Messina and then take the boat to right, right. straight, and then. But it's from Milan or Rome, so you get from America, America, Milan or Rome, and then La Mezia. Yeah, of course, you know, Letrizia. I don't know if you know, we organize as a group like these Cita Scolastica. You know, we were talking about it actually last time we saw some of our uh, friends and we were talking about Calabria as a destination. So, um, you know, uh, just just a question about that logistics thing. So you guys, um, Laika, do you want to come back and tell us uh, what's going on before we hit the Vinitaly break? Yeah, sure. Um, so we're going to have, actually, I'm chatting with him right now. Um, for next week, um, we're going to have an interview, Ivan Giuliani, and to be interviewed by Emilia Marinig. So that's going to be next week, Thursday at 6 p.m. Italian time zone. And then we're going to have an, uh, a break for, for the Vinitaly Marathon. Yeah, because then we'll all be in apnea. Actually, everything starts next week. I'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing some of you. Also, next Wednesday, it will be on a different channel. There is a Maze Row um, call with John Irwin, who's one of our Italian wine ambassadors, of course. And he will be interviewing. That's 7 p.m., however, Italian time. Andrea Pieropan. They've, uh, I know they've built a lovely uh, new winery here, if anybody would like to ping them. So that's it for now. And thank you so much, Tomazella and Mariolina and Beatrice for helping out there. And thank you, you guys take care. And I hope thank to you. see all of you very, very soon. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao. 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 Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitaly International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. Hi, guys. 
guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.